I am Joe Nettles, glad to be here with y'all. I am uh, from Hamilton, Mississippi, which is just near Tupelo, and we are so thankful to be here with you this evening. Now, um, uh, I learned a long time ago that uh, I just need to come up to this sacred, wonderful place with a desire, something on my mind and heart I trust is given me of the Lord to try to teach you. Uh, it's my job to teach, okay? It's God's business to make preaching out of it. Amen. And that's what we hope and pray He'll bless us to do, to be able to bring forward these things from the Word of God in such a way that God will supernaturally and powerfully uh, touch it in your heart, your heart that's been already born of the Spirit of God, and your heart that is hungering to know more about Jesus Christ. And I hope and pray we'll be able to do that. Go with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And um, I'd like to read a verse in John chapter 1. Then I'd like to go over to John chapter 12. A little later, the inspired writer John uh, spoke of light. Okay? We go to John chapter 1. And there he said, there was a man, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. And we know that the light is Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, the light of the world, the Son of God, all man, but yet all God. He says, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, a lot of people will say a lot of things about that passage of Scripture, but I will tend to believe that it means what it says. Now, you've got to have some bit of biblical knowledge in which to put it into context, too. Uh, my friends, I think it is very obvious from the Word of God that man is born into this world totally depraved. Okay, That means in him there is no good. In him there is no ability. He has fallen in his federal head, Adam, and he has absolutely no way to restore himself uh, unto God, to hunger unto God. Isaiah said you'll not even stir yourself up to try to serve God. Okay, Man is totally depraved. So when he says here that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You have to understand that every man that cometh into the world doesn't always mean every single human being that's born into the world. I think what's under consideration here is every one of his elect family uh, that uh, come into this world, sometime between conception and death, they have been given a wonderful light. And that is life, everlasting, given and imparted by the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father loving them before the world began and placing them in covenant bond and trust with His Son, Jesus Christ, who was there with Him, has always been there with Him in communion with His Father. Jesus Christ came into this world to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the perfect death that we couldn't die, and to be risen with a resurrection that without His power we could never experience. Him being the first fruits of them that slept. And then the Holy Spirit of God taking the wonderful merits of all that that's been done, purposed in God the Father, executed in God the Son, and now God the Holy Spirit applies it in a vital, living way to a bunch of living little vessels of clay who are the elect family of God. 
The Bible speaks of them as a people of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. So if Jesus is that light, and He lighted every one of these, I'm here to tell you, my friends, every one of these will have the light of the Lord. A Lord who cannot and will not fail to save His people. In John chapter 6, around verse 39, He said, For I came down from heaven, Not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. My big problem with so many people espousing Christ in this day and age is that they make him a loser. They're saying he wants, he wants to lighten you, he wants to have you in heaven, but you won't do your part. Therefore, though he wants you, though he came with a purpose to save you, yet He's not going to get it done. My friends, by any definition of the word, that is a loser. But our Lord says, I came to lose nothing. And I thank God we can believe what He said. He lieth every man that cometh into the world. Sometime again between conception and death, the Lord will come and the wind bloweth where it listeth. He told Nicodemus, speaking of the new birth. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but knoweth not whence it cometh, neither whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit of God. Every one that is born of the Spirit of God is every man that is lighted with this light. I say that they are both the same. Okay? I don't want to spend a large amount of time proving that. But my friends, I'll tell you, you could easily prove it from the Word of God. But now you've been given that light. Okay? Of his own will, his own volition. You didn't invite it. You can't direct the Spirit of God. Isaiah rightly was inspired to write down and to prophesy. You can't direct the Spirit of God. You can't tell God what to do. God is sovereign. He's never needed your permission to do anything. And, you know, people, and I know what they mean, and I don't want to be coarse. But I hear oftentimes people saying, you know, God wants you to do this. And I know what they mean. Again, I'm not just trying to be a crusty old hard shell just to be one. But I am one. Okay. What I'd rather hear someone say is that God commands you. Okay. God, God, it, I mean, to say want sometimes carries with the meaning of a lack. Okay. There are many things that I want. Some of them I need. Okay. Some of them I don't. But it always carries with the idea of a lack. In God is no lack. There's no schism in the Godhead. So God has commanded His people to do some things after they have been lighted with this light. Okay? And now we go to John chapter 12. And look at the words of our Savior as recorded by John in John chapter 12. Verse 35. John 12 and 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. What are we going to do with that light when we have it? Okay? There's a responsibility that we have, having been commanded of the Lord, that we are to believe on His name, that we are to serve Him, and that we are to obey His commands. Okay? I'd like to talk a little bit today about those truths that are general for all of every man that's lighted 
by the light of Christ in this world. I'm telling you, that's people in the Old Testament and that's people in the New. Okay, that's little babies before they've been aborted by the abortionist. Okay, that's mentally incapable people who can't understand the gospel. But yet, if they are in the covenant of redemption, my friends, heaven will be their home, not because of who they are, in spite, all of us will be there, in spite of who we are, just because it pleased God to do it. Because He must have all the preeminence. Alright? So, here He's saying you have the light, now you have a responsibility. Do something with it. Okay, walk in it. Trust, walk in belief, and in faith. So he lighteth every one of his children. But my friends, he's also given us something special. So not only can it be a general truth of Jesus lighting his people, my friends, not only does he do that for a vast number of people, which no man can number, okay? It was conveyed unto Abraham that it was akin to the sand of the seashore and the stars of the heavens. Okay, So you tend to say, well, I get lost in the shuffle. I mean, how in the world? If your people is that great, billions and billions and billions, how is it that something's been done very special for me? Okay? Well, let's talk about our relationship between those general truths and those things that are revealed to us individually. The very special things that the Lord has given for us. First thing I want you to understand that our Lord is so powerful that He can enlighten those who have never been blessed to hear the gospel preached. Now, let me say this. It's not my job in my ministry to constantly, every day I get up, to be defending why people who don't hear the gospel are going to go to heaven. But boy, I sure do enjoy saying it. I enjoy knowing, I rejoice in knowing that my God is so sovereign and so powerful and so loving. I don't know why it tears people's nerves up so bad to think that unevangelized people may go to heaven. Let me tell you, the Lord knows who they are. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And so I can rejoice in that. And it certainly doesn't tear up my nerves. Oh, my friends, to think that uh, people are going to be able to enjoy the fullness of the glory of God in heaven and He'll get all the honor and the glory for it, that just makes me happy. I'm sorry. If it doesn't make you happy, that's between you and the Lord. But I guarantee you, it makes me happy. All right? So, um, He's able even to enlighten those who are unevangelized. And we see a few passages of Scripture. We're not going to dwell on this Greatly, but I'd like to go to Psalm 94. Let's go into an Old Testament passage of Scripture and see a passage of Scripture from Psalm 94. Now, again, light carries with it the idea of what? Revelation, of knowledge, of, 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 of experience. Okay? So we go to Psalms 94. And uh, let's begin reading with verse 7. Now, what's under context here? What's being taught in this context is the dealings of the wicked, or the dealings, some of it's talking about the wicked, some of it's just talking about people who are the heathen, okay? Notice verse 7 of Psalm 94, Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Oh, understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He said, I'm fixing to tell you something, perk your ears up. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? I mean, God has all hearing. That's 
Nothing's ever taken him by surprise. He's always been able to see around every corner with no difficulty. Known unto God all his works from the beginning of the world. Okay. Oh, he's an omniscient, omnipresent Lord. He that formed the eye shall he not see. Verse 10. He that chastises the heathen shall not he correct? Notice there in that question. He couples together the concept of chastisement with what? Correction. Okay? And now he says this. He that teacheth man knowledge shall not he know. In the structure of so many of these verses, especially in in the Word of God, you'll see two back-to-back rhetorical questions. And when you notice that, if you'll stop and recognize it, both of those questions are essentially dealing with the same concept. So now look at it this way. He that chastiseth the heathen, shall he not correct? Now someone will say, well, if they just took it right there, they would say, well, God is just pouring out fire and brimstone. God is just, uh, you know, He is allowing the, the enemies to destroy these heathen. That's the chastisement they believe is under consideration. But I tell you, read the rest of the verse. He that teacheth man knowledge. Notice the chastisement is coupled together with knowledge. And that knowledge cometh from who? Not from mama or daddy or a Sunday school teacher or the most well-meaning person in the world. It is endued from on high by the power of Almighty God. He said, He that teacheth man knowledge shall he not know. Now the Lord knoweth the thoughts of man. Now, if you stopped right there again, and you ask someone, well, what are the thoughts of man? Well, men are essentially good. You know? Bless their heart. (laughs) No. What does the Bible say about the thoughts and capacities of men? They're all vanity. They're all vanity. The psalmist said, uh, verily, man in his best state is, is altogether vanity. He didn't just say vanity. He said altogether vanity. What does vain mean? It means empty, vacuous, without uh, potency. It's, it's empty. It's nothing. Vain means nothing. Okay? So here he says, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. But now notice what he says in verse 12. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. Now he says all men's thoughts are vanity. And certainly that's true when you're talking about the base, born, natural nature of man that's not been changed by God. It is vanity. But somebody may say, I just don't know if that's so. <laughs> My Uncle Robin, years ago, bless his heart, he told me, son, I mean, he was just country as a gourd dipper. Uncle Robin was. He said, son, Uncle Robin don't know if he's ever met anybody who's going to hell. I said, Uncle Robin, you come go to work with me for a few days and you'll change your mind about that. That emergency room, you hang out in there very long and you're going to see the true vanity, vacuousness, and wretchedness of man's nature. Now, I'm not saying I can't go around and say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. That ain't my business, okay? I, I don't have that ability. That ain't my business. But my friends, anyone who's ever lived in an interpersonal way with other people in this life, undoubtedly, we see the vanity of man's thoughts. We see it getting more and more vain as the days go on. 
You know, people don't even read a book anymore. They'll they'll Facebook themselves right into a fountain or right in front of a truck. <laughs> you know, people just more and that vanity is on display. And notice he said here, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Again, that chastening goes together with instruction. Now, if you notice in verse 10, he said, He that chastiseth the heathen. Okay? And then he goes down and says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord. You know, chasten in both of those verses comes from the exact same Hebrew word. So I have absolutely no reason in context to believe that they really carry any different meaning. I believe the chastening in both verses is essentially referring to the same thing. Now why does that matter? Because Kendra, you go over to Hebrews chapter 12 one day and you read what it means when the Lord chastens someone. When He imparts knowledge in someone. My friends, He deals with you as sons and not bastards. Okay? Uh, Everyone whom He loveth, He scourgeth. He chasteneth. He corrects, my friends. I'll tell you, you'll find it in Hebrews 12, and you'll find the same thing spoken to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. If you ever find a man who is chastened uh, in a way, a formative way of God, and giving him knowledge and giving him instruction and convicting his soul of sin, I'll tell you, you're looking at one who is a son of God. And who is spoken of here? The heathen. Who are heathen? They're unevangelized, unconverted people. Are all of them? No, I don't believe that. I don't have any reason to believe that. But I'll tell you what. If God so chose that every one of them would be his child, every one of them would be his child. If God so chose that only three of them would be his children, then those three are his children. And heaven will be their home. Because he's that kind of God. In John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ said that uh, they shall be all taught of God. From the least unto the greatest. He didn't say they'll be taught about God. He said they'll be taught of God. He's the one who does the teaching. You know, people think that, you know, unless you come under the sound of the gospel, you're, there's absolutely no way you can know God. My friends, I'm so thankful I don't believe that. I believe God is able to lighten His people wherever they may be without the use of a fat chicken-eating preacher like me. Now, I'm thankful He's got use for me. I mean, I want to I be useful, okay, but He doesn't need me. He doesn't use me and my abilities to inhabit heaven. No, my friends, He's got the ability to do that all on His own. Okay, He's able to give that knowledge. Let's go to a, uh, another couple of places. Go with me to, to Hebrews um, well, uh, go with me to Romans chapter 2. Uh, there are other places, but for time's sake, I'm going to try to... Uh, you could go over to Hebrews chapter 8. That's a wonderful place to go. And you'll see what is spoken of about the covenant that God has made with His people. Uh, he's going to tell them, uh, you know, uh, the time has come this covenant will reveal what? That man won't have to go to his brother and to his neighbor saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least to the greatest. See, that's a God who's able to teach. All right? But we're going to go to Romans chapter 2. Again, there's a parenthetical statement here in Romans chapter 2 that I want to deal with. All right? So here in Romans chapter 2, I believe the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 1, he showed forth the actions of man, natural man, left unto his own without law. What will happen? And you read, it's bad, okay? It's always bad, okay? 
Romans chapter 2, we see the theme there of being when you see natural man who has been given law. Okay? A natural man who's outside of law. Okay? He is just totally feckless and wicked in all of his ways. Reckless and wicked in all of his ways. But in Romans chapter 2, I tell you, that's dangerous as well. Because you take one who is not born of the Spirit of God and you give him a law and he's going to use it as a weapon. He's not going to try to use it in a way to honor the Lord. Okay? So, but notice here, he says, it gives a parenthetical statement in verses 13 through 15. For not the hearers of the law are just before God. What does just mean? means just right. means just. Justified. Okay? Being right in the eyes of God. Okay? For not the hearers of the law are just before God. So obviously right off the bat, who are we talking about here? We're talking about people who are just. Right? Okay? He's not talking about unjust. He's talking about those who are just or justified. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. That means declared to be just. For when the Gentiles, in this context, my friends, you're going to see, obviously, he's talking about people who are in a state of having not heard and been converted to the gospel of Jesus. He says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, no, they were not privy to the oracles of God. They were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. They didn't know anything about the covenants given unto the fathers. They didn't know about the wondrous works of the Jehovah God. No, they were apart from that evangelized knowledge that the Israelites had. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, but notice what they're doing. They're doing by nature the things contained in the law. Okay, notice there it didn't say they're doing by nature contrary to the things contained in the law. He said these people are doing, they're doing the right things. They're doing the good things of the law. How is it them not ever having those stone tablets, never having been made privy to the laws of God, how is it these unevangelized people are doing the things of the law by nature? Well, wait a minute now. Which nature are you talking about? Obviously... Obviously, he can't be referring to the original nature in which we're born because the Bible is very plain in letting us know that it is wretched, it is wicked. Romans 3 said, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. And you read that passage of Scripture, and if you feel fancy about mankind, then you need to repent. Okay? You know, we need to believe what the Word of God says. And man in his original nature is not this. No, man in his original nature is contrary unto God. His tongue walketh through the earth. There are no thoughts of God in his mind. Okay? The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. But here are some who are positively, actively doing the good, holy, righteous things of the law. I'm not saying they're perfect. None of us are. But obviously from the context, he's not talking about their slaughtering the law. They're trying to live a right, just life. How? (laughs) Well, by their nature. Okay? The nature, the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show. So the things they do are revealing something to us, the witnesses. What does it show us? 
which show the work of the law trying to get in their heart. No. Uh-uh. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. My friends, you'd have to try to misunderstand that, I think. Okay? Which show the work of the law. They're living at, they are just people trying to live a life that is honoring to the law even though they're ignorant of it by a book or a stone tablet. But they're not ignorant of it in their hearts. Because they have a nature that has imparted that in their hearts. I find it very conspicuous that the very same inspired writer, Brother Paul, when he wrote, my friends, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he used much the same language, obviously speaking of the Spirit, birth in the heart. <laughs> Talks about those things not written with stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, not with ink, but with the Spirit of God. Amen. You think, I, man, let me tell you something. If he's not talking about the same thing here into the Corinthians, I would just say he was using reckless language, but he's not. <laughs> he's talking about the same thing. These are unevangelized people who are living holy lives, not because someone threatened them with hell, not because they'd ever been positively evangelized out of the law of Moses. No, they were ignorant of those things from this context which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. Now, every man has a conscience, but every man doesn't have the Spirit of God behind that conscience. These got the Spirit of God, the new nature behind the conscience, also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Somehow they can find peace in doing right and they find conviction in doing wrong. How can they do that without the fiery mountaintop of Sinai? Because God has written His law in their hearts when He gave them the new birth. I don't want to belabor the point. Let's go into 2 Timothy well, I'm just going to try to quote it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. You know, not only can God uh, impart life and knowledge into the unevangelized, okay, chasten them as what? Sons. Sons of God. You know, God can also save people who don't believe. <laughs> You know, I would readily say that everybody who's lighted with the light of Christ will readily believe. Okay, I, I would, I would really, I would, you know, I would say that wholeheartedly if it was taught in the Bible. <laughs> but that's the problem. See, we've got to reconcile the Word of God, and we're told in more than one place that you can deceive yourself, and that's what we do. We deceive ourselves. What do you mean, deceive myself? Let me tell you something. I used to think I was the finest man that walked the planet Earth. I had deceived myself into thinking that. Well, my friends, I'm going to tell you, man is so vile. Oh, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, we can deceive ourselves. We can get mad. We can get after the flesh. We can get a little ornery sometimes. Oh, Brother Roger Lewis, good faithful deacon down in South Mississippi from uh, uh, Mount Gilead Church down there. I traveled with him a long time. We'd be at a meeting, and somebody came up, and they got a little salty at a church meeting and stomped off. And Brother Roger would say, Brother Joe, he said, you see that one right there? He said, that's a sheep of the Lord right there, but kind of a mean old sheep. <laughs> you know? 
God, sheep ain't always the angelic cherubs we'd like to make ourselves out as being. See, we still are saddled about with this original nature. Why is it Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, we can be deceived, okay? But in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, he said it's a faithful saying, If we believe not, he abideth faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He can't lose. He's not a loser. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. My friends, we all ought to abide faithful, and you don't have any excuse not to. You know, if you're walking around saying, I don't know if I believe in this guy, I don't know. But let me tell you something, you don't have an excuse. If you're born of the Spirit of God, we ought to be believers and trusters and serve the Lord in spirit and in truth. We have no excuse not to. But unfortunately, just because we don't have an excuse to do it, doesn't mean sometimes it won't get done. We don't teach these things to embolden you to sin. We don't teach these things to try to comfort you in sin. We teach these things because, my friends, other people will teach them in such a way that they'll have God's children believing they're young and over a pit of hell and they'll never find a peaceful day in their life. I don't want to do that. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably unto Jerusalem, crying to her. What? Her warfare is accomplished. Her, her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Oh, my friends, it's not my job to try to scare you out of hell. I couldn't do it if I wanted it. If, if I had the ability, couldn't do it. No, my friends, we serve God not to stay out of hell. We serve God because of motive from within that He's given us in the new birth. And we want to serve Him out of love. Okay? Um, you go to um, Romans chapter 3. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God, the faithfulness of God, of none effect? Well, that's, what, that's what's being taught from pulpits all over the world. That unless you do your part, He can't do His. You know, and I'm chasing a little rabbit here, but if you go over to Acts chapter 20, Paul gives you a little red letter over in Acts chapter 20 when he's talking to those elders at Ephesus. And you'll find that red letter there that you don't really find anywhere in the Gospels. Oh, certainly you see the concept, but you don't see it. He says, for it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay? Kendrick, let me tell you something. If it was so that God wants you in heaven, okay, God wants to give you eternal life. But my friends, He can't give it to you and He's going to burn you in hell unless you first Give him your heart? He'd be denying his own scripture. Okay? Because he's not going to give you what he wants to give you. He's not going to give you what is good for you. He's not going to give you what will save you, redeem you, deliver you, and have you in heaven with him forevermore because you won't first give him what people say he's just an eternal loan shark. Don't blame my God with that. No, my friends. It is more blessed to give to receive, and he's the blessed and only potentate. King of kings and Lord of lords. There's nobody more blessed than him. Why? Because nobody gives more than him. And he doesn't have to wait for you to give him any. You don't have anything anyhow. Sorry, old thing. You ain't got nothing. <laughs> That's a double negative. I know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you ain't got anything. I'll tell you, my friend, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Tell you, he doesn't need to ask anything. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't need us to feed him. 
So he's not waiting for you to give him something before he gives you the greatest gift in the world. He'd be denying his own scripture. Right. A balderdash and poppycock. I'll not have it. Okay? Um, so yes, even people who don't believe. You know, but, but those who have believed. You know, somebody will say, well, those who have believed and then they stopped believing or they fell into doubt, then undoubtedly... They never really were children of God anyway. That's what people like to say. Oh, friends, friends. Let's believe what the Word of God says, okay? Yeah. Go with me to Job. You may say, that's a strange place to go. No. Job had so much light because God gave it to him. He didn't have any scriptures to learn it by. God had enlightened him. Oh, he's the light, right? In Job chapter 36, notice this. Let's see exactly where I want to go. I've got to hurry along here. Y'all been very patient, kind. Uh, In Job chapter 36, go to verse 5. Let's begin there. Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right... To the poor. That right means not only does he always do what's right, but he also gives righteousness to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous. But with kings are they on the throne. Okay? Wow, that sounds pretty exalted, doesn't it? Here are people who are right, righteous, and exalted with kings on the throne, and he'll never forsake them. Yea, he doth establish them forever. And they are exalted. And if they be bound in fetters and be holden in cords of affliction. Here I think you see a picture of someone who has done something wrong. And now they're in a pickle. Now they're convicted. He said, then he showeth them their work. Okay? How can he do that? Because he writes his laws in your heart. He's able to convey to each and every one of his children what all the preachers and evangelists and well-meaning people in the world can't. My friends, I can't convict you. Only God can. Then he showeth them their work and their transgressions that they have exceeded. Boy, you've gone too far. Y'all ever hear that from your daddy? Okay? I don't know if kids hear that anymore. You know, whenever I heard, whenever I got in that time, boy, whenever I heard that, I knew I was dying. That was going to be my last day. You know, my dad didn't play. Look, he had a, I know I'm just telling personal stuff, but he had a fly swat. You know, everybody got one of those fly swats with, with the wire in with the loop on it. He thought he was the three musketeers with that thing. I'd go to school with loops all up and down my legs boys in the field house and say, Nettles, what happened to you? I'm like, man, y'all be quiet. My dad tore me up, you know. I just, uh, when you went too far, it was too far. Well, I'm going to tell you what, our God is long-suffering, but He's not mocked, okay? And He's able to chasten His sons, all right? So here we go back. He showeth them their work, their transgressions that they have exceeded. He openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. Now who's still under consideration? The righteous. He hasn't changed characters yet. He's still, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Elihu, whose preaching was never at all criticized by God. Remember? Job, yes. Nadab, Elihu, 
Zophar, all of them were condemned of God to some extent. Never was Elihu. Okay? He openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they obey and serve Him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. You know, and many people say, well, yeah, that's right. If they're His children, they're right. If they're righteous, if He's made them right, that's the way they're going to live and that's the way they're going to die. Wait a minute, Sparky. Don't stop reading yet. He said, but, still talking about the righteous, but if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Now here's a group of people that are the righteous. And here they are dying without having come to repentance over what the Lord has convicted them over. And whatever sweet knowledge they could have enjoyed in fellowship with the Lord, they died without it. Now does that sound like somebody busting hell wide open or somebody who made a foolish choice here but the Lord corrects everything up there. Amen. I'll tell you what. He's going to convert, conform you to the image of His Son. And I'll tell you friend, there is no sin that goes unpunished. Okay. But for all of God's children, they came down on the precious innocent head of Jesus Christ in full. In full. So we don't have to go to a place called Purgatory. There ain't no such a thing. We don't have to work out uh, our works salvation by hoping, you know, God did 99%, but you left with the 1%. No, my friends, if you were left responsible for 1%, you'd bust hell wide open as if you were responsible for the whole. The law is all or nothing. That's the way it is. Okay? So, we see that He can give knowledge to the evangelized. He give knowledge, and His children, even in unbelief, we see that even some... We go to another place. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurry right along and try to close this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, I'll tell you like I heard told me one time. You know, I never did hear a, a sister wrestling four youngins in the pew ever say, Preach on! <laughs> they never heard that. You know, so you know, you just don't want don't to wear folks out. But I appreciate your spirit, Brother Kevin. Thank you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, here Paul knows who he's writing to. He's writing to a church. Called out people. Redeemed folk. Believers in Jesus Christ. Oh, imperfect as they are, aren't we all? He said, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He said, all of the tribe of Israel represented something. He said, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the same spiritual meat. Notice he didn't just say meat. He on purpose said spiritual meat. Okay? And did all drink the same spiritual drink? Somebody would say, oh, they were drinking of the heathen. That, that was what the spirit... Un- no. For they drank of that spiritual capital R-O-C-K rock. <laughs> They drank of that rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Sounds to me like he's teaching that all of Israel of old represented who? The family of God. Makes sense? Because they were a chosen people. They were made only by the power of God. He made covenant with them, for them. So they are a wonderful representation of all of God's elect people. So here he's talking to brethren in the church, and he's giving them a lesson. That rock was Christ. Spiritual meat, spiritual drink, not mystics. But of God. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. 
for they were overthrown in the wilderness. You know, you, we'd already had to bust the walls out of this church in every direction if so many of God's children in this world weren't overthrown in the wilderness. There are a lot of them out there, my friends. This world is just chewing them up and spitting them out. Because, my friends, maybe they don't know. Maybe they haven't been more perfectly taught. Or maybe they know and they just refuse to repent and to follow. I don't know. That's the Lord knoweth them that are His again. But my friends, whoever I can have confidence in that I'm going to be in heaven with, I'd just like to look out here in this congregation and feel confident in you. I'd like to rejoice in you being here. I like it. You know, the Lord knows how to deal with them. I want to encourage you, my friends, repent and follow Jesus Christ. Every day of your life. No quitting time at terror. Don't give up, my friends. Be steadfast, unmovable, ever abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know in the Lord, your labor's not in vain. That's always been true. It shall always be true. Oh, it's supernatural, but it's true all the same. Now, these things were our examples. Who's talking to the church? To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication. Sounds to me if there's no way we can do any of these things really no need him telling us this is it? But we can. Okay. Now all, verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition. Okay? I'm not going to be able to finish what I wanted. I might be able to pick it back up tomorrow. Those are general truths. Those are truths we know of the Word of God that God's going to be satisfied. You know, how could it please the Lord to bruise His Son? How could it say over in Hebrews chapter 12 when He says, Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame? Friends, there could be no joy, there could be no pleasure on God the Father pouring out the the ramifications for sin upon the head of His own precious Son unless there was successful purpose in it. Now, if you believe in a God that can fail, you don't believe in a God. Is that too plain? It's just the way it is. If you believe in a God that will fail for His eternal purposes to have His family in heaven. You know, I'm thankful to know that the psalmist told us that a man has children is like a got a quiver full of arrows and said happy is that man well what am I to understand from that well when all the arrows are in the quiver that's when he's happy I'm going to tell y'all something I've got a quiver full of arrows I've got five children one of those children right now when it comes to the church are not in the quiver And it breaks my heart every single moment of every day that I live. In that respect, I can't be at ease. I can't be pleased. I can't have the joy that I'd like to have. I'm at dis-ease over that. My kindred in Christ. 
God will not be at unease with his family. His quiver shall be full. He will rejoice in that. My friends, I'll tell you, Isaiah 42, 4 says, He cannot fail. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. You know, when those disciples of old came over here, they were amazed to find so many people that loved their family, loved their kindred. Why is that? Because, my friends, in every kindred, nation, people, and tongue in this world, before the preacher ever gets there, the isles have already been waiting for his law. There's something within them that longs within them to be delivered from this wretched, vile, wicked world. And praise be unto God that I'm a primitive Baptist. I don't have to make any apologies for God. I don't have to get up and try to hem-haw around scriptures. I don't have to avoid Romans chapter 8 or Ephesians chapter 1. No, I don't. I can just preach a sovereign God who's going to have all of his children in heaven. And I rejoice in that. That has made me as happy as a hog in the sunshine all of my time that I've believed it. And I want to encourage you, believe it, my friends. Don't let this world steal your cookie. You believe and trust in your God. A God who's never done anything wrong and whom is all light and no darkness. And you believe that what He's purposed to do in that eternal purpose that He purposed in Himself, He will perform it. Love y'all. Thank you.